How's everyone this morning? Good, good. And on my defense, I love the old McDonald's song in the AOs. So, so everyone's having a good morning? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. I promise I will not try to keep you all too long like James did last week. I know there's some delicious food waiting for us. Um, no, nah, but in all seriousness, um, in preparation for this sermon, this was probably one of the most uh, toughest sermons I've had to prepare for. Um, this set of scriptures in the Hebrew language is, is, is quite interesting. Um, so this morning, when we get started, uh, do something a little different. Let's, uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. This will be a little different this morning. Um, we'll be in Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. And it says, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of foreign gods. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one... God's seeking, godly offspring. So guard yourselves in the spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in spirit and do not be faithless. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for this day and all that you've done for us. God, I pray that you just touch the reading of your scripture. God, allow me to speak what you have for God, I pray that you just uh, continue to be here. We love and we thank you. Chenera, pray. Amen. Let me see. So, Malachi, verse 10, he starts off and he says, Have we not all one Father, and has not one God created us? We all have one Father. We all have one God. That's the God above. God of uh, the Israel's father, Abraham. Uh, Isaiah 64, 8, it says, But now, O Lord... You are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. See, all of us are God's work. God is our father. God is our creator. God is with us always, constantly. And see, what the Israelites were doing is they were marrying spouses of foreign gods. And instead of keeping the commandment or the, the covenant of God our father, they were keeping the commandments of the pagan gods. And they were worshiping those pagan gods and bringing those pagan gods into God's temple. And worshiped them in God's temple that was made just for him. And it says several times that they were profaning the covenant of our fathers. And it says it twice in just these three verses. Now, when God says something multiple times, he, he's trying to get something to point. He means something. He's wanting us to realize how bad something is, how good something is, how something's really serious. And so I went to the Webster's Dictionary and I looked up what the word profaning means. 
just to find out how serious this was. And it says to treat something sacred with abuse. So the Israelites, they were treating God's temple that was sacred. They were treating God's covenant that he made with their fathers, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac. They were treating with abuse. They just threw it out the window and, and took on the, the rules from the pagan gods. And worshiping those pagan gods in God's house. It was like if we came in here and worshiped something else other than God, would this be in God's temple? And it was a place that God loved. If you look in verse 11, it says, For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. God loved his temple. God has set up this temple in a, in a specific way, in a way designed that would benefit the Israelites so they would be able to worship God to the fullest. But they had just completely forgotten that and had thrown it to the wayside. They had to begin worshiping those pagan gods. And it reminds me of a time in Exodus um, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God. If you want to go back and look, it's Exodus 20. It'll be through 32, chapter 32. Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God and to get other instructions. And not long after God, or not long after Moses had went up to Mount Sinai, the Israelites were like, Aaron, and Moses kind of left us hanging here with no one to lead us. Let's take all our jewelry together and let's mold it into this giant golden cow and let's worship it so it can lead us away from Egypt. Now, granted, what had just happened was God and Moses, or God had used Moses to lead them out of Egypt, away from slavery, away from captivity. They had crossed the Red Sea where the Red Sea had split completely, walked right through the Red Sea, destroying the Egyptians. And they were still like, even though God's already done this, let's take all our jewelry and let's, let's worship this cow that's saved us. You know, let's let it lead us. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and saw what had happened, you know, if you look in Exodus, it says that the tablets had writing on both sides, not just the Ten Commandments. I know a lot of people think the Ten Commandments were the only thing on the tablets, but there was writing on both sides of the tablets, which was the Ten Commandments, how the Ark of the Covenant was to be built, the dimensions of the temple, how it was supposed to be built in a certain way. All this was written on this, this tablet, and when Moses came down, he dropped it and broke literally the signature of God on the ground because of what that happened, and God had punished the Israelites for that. Uh, if I remember correctly, they, they melted down the gold from the cow and made the Israelites drink some of the gold in the water. I mean, it was some crazy stuff. And in the same instance then here, God punished the Hebrews for worshiping these pagan gods in God's temple by cutting them off from the covenant of Jacob that he had made with them. You know, Jacob said, or God made a promise to Jacob that he'd be the father of many nations. And God had cut them off from that. He'd punish them that way for worshiping these pagan gods in his temple. So whatever favor that they, the Israelites had with God and the covenant they, their father Jacob had made that they were receiving the benefits for, God had cut them off completely. It didn't matter what had happened. God had cut them off from the blessings that they had promised, that God had promised Jacob for what they had done to, in his temple.
Then we look down, verses 13 through 16. This one, a lot of Hebrew translations or translations of the Bible, the main thing you see from this text is God hates divorce. And I don't, I don't necessarily say it's God hates divorce. If you look at the Hebrew text, you know, this is one of the, if you look in all the Bible translations and any translation you have in ESV, NIV, NASAB, whatever, this section here is translated in several different ways because it's, it's one of the most hardest translations to um, put into the English language. And it says here, the second thing that you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. See, what was going on was the Israelite men were completely just trashing their wives. They were being faithless to them. Whether it was a sexual sin, neglect, abuse, abandonment, they had just left their wives to the wayside. Left them and went off and be faithless with someone else, something else, whatever it may be. Whether it was they squandering all their money uh, with other women, they had completely left their wives and they were unfaithful to them. See, when a man and a woman come together, they come together in a covenant between them and between God. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says where three are joined, nothing can break. When a man and a woman come together, they come together as one with them and with God. So when you make that promise in front of everyone when you're at your wedding, you don't just make that promise to that person and to the families. You make that promise to God as well. See, men, we're called to lead. We're called to lead our house spiritually. We're called to lead our house emotionally. We're called to lead our house financially. We're called to lead our house. We're called to lead our wives and our children. Notice I didn't say boss them around or order them around. We're not called to boss. We're not called to order. We're not called to, you know, sit around and let our wives do whatever. We're called to lead, to set an example. Because you made that commitment to your wife that day, that you would lead them. Women, you're called to support your husbands, to be there for them. See, what was going on was back then, they weren't just divorcing because of the faithlessness. They were also divorcing because they were just tired of each other incompatibility like one day they woke up like eh, we don't see things see things same way eye to eye anymore eh, let's just get a divorce and they were just they were divorcing for anything if one had a bad day they were divorcing and that's not how the the commitments you made with your wife that's something how the covenant is made no matter what day you're having what's going on we're called to be there for one another when the man is having a bad day, wives, we're called to help pick up our, our men emotionally. Men, if our wives have had a bad day, we're there to call up to help our wives and to help them up, to support them, whatever is going on. Just because one person has a bad day, just because we don't see the same things eye to eye anymore doesn't mean we just call it quits. It means we fight and we work together. That's what it means to have a marriage.
And see, what's even crazier is God's only, he's looking for one thing in the marriage as well. He's looking for godly offspring. See, most of us here, we do have children, and our children are watching us. They're watching us, how we talk to our spouses, how we communicate, how we talk to each other, how we react to each other. They're watching. Now, if you ask my wife, she can tell you that I am definitely not the perfect husband. I mess up all the time, and I do. I am very forgetful with stuff, and I know it drives her nuts. But the one thing, if you ask her, is I'm trying my hardest. And men, women, that's what the other one is asking for. It's for us to try our hardest and our best to give everything that we have in our marriage. And see, in verse 16, this was something that really stuck out to me. It says, For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Or guard yourselves in spirit and do not be faithless. The statement where it says that he'll cover his garments with violence. In the Hebrew text, it's not literally meaning violence, like fighting somebody. It's meaning that it's putting shame. It's staining your character. When, you, when someone gets a divorce, that's usually the one thing that you hear is when you're introducing someone, you'll say, oh, that person was divorced or such and such or whatever. It, it's constantly getting brought back up. No matter what the situation, you could be the best person in the world, but if you do end up getting divorced, it's constantly getting brought back up. It's, it stains your character and stains your name. It says, so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Um, this kind of reminds me of one of my favorite verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, test everything so we know what God's perfect will is. Men as spiritual leaders of the house, we are called to test what comes into our house to see if it's godly or not, to see if it's beneficial for our family. That is our call as men, to lead our house. And I promise this wasn't going to be long. And I'm wrapping things up now. Um, but to trace this back to Advent, you know, the coming of Jesus. No matter what we have done wrong, whether if we have sinned with false gods in our lives or if we've you know, not given our wives or our husbands 110 or our kids 110% or if we've not given God 110%, God still came in and you know, paid the ultimate price for us by sending Jesus, our virgin birth. And this is what we're celebrating this month is the coming of that baby, that baby Jesus. And see, Jesus, he lived the perfect life. He set the example for us, died on the cross for our sins, and rose three days later to conquer death. This is it. You know, he had defeated death. And if it wasn't for that, all this wrong in the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant, wouldn't be made right, like in the New Covenant, the New Testament. So this morning, as uh, Troy gets ready to come up um, to sing our last song, I want you to think long and hard about 
where you have not given 100%, whether if you've, you know, worship false gods in our lives, you know, before we came here, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, it looks different nowadays than it did back then when they just came in the temple and worshiped. Nowadays, it's, it's kind of subtle. You don't realize it until after it's happened. Or think about your spouse and what you can do better for them. Or your kids, how you can lead them better. So as I pray and Troy comes, uh, just think about that. God, we love and we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. God, we thank you for being who you are, a gracious and loving God who's always there for us. God, we ask that you touch each and every heart in here, every heart that's on the live stream. God, just we, we can't thank you enough for everything that you've done. Just in your holy presence, Jesus Christ, in your name we pray. Amen.